Hello, everybody, and welcome to Unaired, the show where we take TV shows canceled with episodes left unaired, review them, and then pitch our ideas for how we think they could have continued. I'm Ed, and with me today, from Escape This Podcast, it's Bill. Hi, how you going? Good, how about you? I'm, I'm good. It's early here, so I've just woken up. So how early is it there? You said, well, what did you say, it was like 10? Oh, no, it's, it's, it's 8, but I was eight. hoping to okay. sleep in on my day off. Oh, yeah, I apologize for that. <laughs> no, um. I planned the day. I've set up the recording. It's my fault. You just got to take your time when you can. See, I have a similar uh, issue when recording because I work overnights. So mm. usually the issue is I'll have to like, go to sleep as soon as I get home and then like <laughs> try and wake up on time. Yeah. Uh, but luckily, this is the end of my day off, so it worked out. <laughs> oh, perfect. Um, so this week, we covered Welcome to Eltingville, which was a single episode pilot for Adult Swim from 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually adapted from a comic series called Eltingville. Unfortunately, it did not make it past the pilot episode. Adult Swim did not pick it up. Uh, yeah, look, I when I first saw this, I had seen just like a, an image of the very opening scene. So I thought that this was like a, a D&D portal fantasy. I thought this was like a four nerds get sucked into the world of D&D. I think that was the impression I had in my head uh, because this because the opening scene is set in the world of D&D, but uh, it's, that's not what it was. It was more like uh, like an angry Big Bang Theory. That's pretty much the perfect description for what it actually was. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, like you said, it starts off with uh, them arguing in the woods in kind of D&D garb. And they're trying to save a princess from what is referred to as a Skeletor knockoff. Mm. Oh, what was his name? He had an actual name. It was the Annihilator or something like this? It was Lord Atrocity. Lord Atrocity. <laughs> <laughs> Which is quite an atrocious name. <laughs> mm. Well, the thing I like, okay, I, I really liked in this opening scene that they really set up uh, a couple of like, like immediately you knew it was going to be D&D because uh, I think he said he set the horses on fire with an accidental potion. Yep. <laughs> and you're like, okay, someone's burnt all of their horses. To, like that's D&D. That's some people playing D&D. 100%. That was a bad role somebody got. <laughs> I do also like that I'm currently playing, not D&D, I'm playing a game of Savage Worlds. Uh, with my wife running it, uh, and that uh, the New Yorky kid, you know, the like, hey, I don't know what's going on here. Maybe we should just like kill his skeleton or whatever, you know. That's <laughs> my actual character voice in my campaign that I'm running, that I'm playing at the moment. So that was that was good fun. That's awesome, and he's actually my favorite <laughs> character. <laughs> he was the best of the of the four. I love his accent. <laughs> um, yeah, his name is oh geez, oh his name is so, Pete. 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 D'Onofrio? It's not D'Onofrio, but it's something along those lines. Yep, so there's uh, Josh, Pete, Jerry, and Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get... They're basically all arguing about how they should kind of handle this Lord atrocity. And they decide to send in their minions, which is mm. like a bunch of tiny little goblins. They're killed immediately. <laughs> and oh, yes. Pete says, Oh, to helleth with this. And tries to attack. <laughs> I do like that. I, I liked the like I, the opening scene. Like it, it set it, it set it up well. It did all the the silly kind of old fashioned words. I did make the very first note I have on my paper is uh, it should be pronounced zoons, not zounds, because it's short for God's wounds. 
Uh, <laughs> so sorry, um, but no, but but I, like I enjoyed that setup with all the all this D and D ish looking stuff, and especially because they didn't fight; they just stood there and argued about how they should fight. Which again, classic D and D. You don't get into the combat. You go, no, you shouldn't do that. I should do this. No, why did you do this? Hey, you got me killed. <laughs> Which is exactly how it goes. We also get our first taste of that, like, kind of, uh, oh, how sweary can I be? Oh, you can be super sweary. Okay, I won't, I don't, I'm not going to go crazy, but, uh, you know, that sort of uh, shitty kind of teenage nerd sexism of this character they're saving is this princess who's just all breasts and is, like, it's this, like, straight away go, okay, I got the tone of who these, they're just that kind of shitty kind of sex-obsessed teen nerd uh, was all set up quite well in this opening scene. Yeah, I believe the quote was, uh, shiver me timbers, that is one fine stack. <laughs> well, exactly. There you go. That's all you <laughs> need to know. So uh, we get my favorite part where Lord Atrocity uh, uses a freezing spell. And as Josh and Bill are starting to freeze, Josh goes, oh, wait, I have a freezing potion. And he goes to reach for it, and it snaps in half because it's already frozen. He goes, oh, it froze. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. It was a good one. And uh, then we cut to the real world, and that is the end of this whole D&D thing. Mm. And they're yelling at their DM, Bill, to resurrect them. Uh, Bill's mom yells down, screaming about how she's trying to sleep. I really really liked... I'd like to point out, right, I think... This show, so this is this animated show on Adult Swim, and most of it, it looks kind of like that. It's kind of like a, I don't know, I feel like the whole animation style has that, you know, that thick black line Adult Swim kind of comic style animation. But it's also got a weirdly sort of like Animaniacs feel to it, the way characters move and, and appear in and out of scenes. Uh, and generally, it's it looks okay, but their facial animation, like the emotion on faces, this overwrought, over-the-top facial emotion i think they do really really well and the first note i have of that is the scene where the mother yells from upstairs and they just all put on this face of absolute terror and it looks great (laughs) it's this still shot of all four of them and like uh um josh oh no jerry jerry at the front is just like going he's like his face is just like (laughs) it's it's like there's uh, i'd like to preface all this before i I didn't really enjoy this very much but but um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but the but the facial animation in this scene and some other scene near the end was it was really good good it just looked really great and that moment of terror when they get yelled at is done is animated really nicely. It is and going back to the uh, description you made of uh, the Big Bang Theory on steroids basically it it reeks of uh, one of the character in Big Bang Theory's mothers. You're right. Yeah, there is that same feeling that Howard's mother sort of yelling from 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 wherever she is. Exactly like that. Like. Loud, nasally voice. Mm. Well, it's set in somewhere in New York, isn't it? Yep, it's uh, Staten Island, yep. Um, uh, So then they call to order the meeting of the Eltingville Club. And they all kind of go around, and this is how we get introduced to the characters. Mm. Um, First up is Jerry, who says that their first order of business is to send these anonymous letters to Paramount to make a Captain Sulu show, and all they need is <laughs> yes. $90 in postage. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were they hit it hard with the uh, 
whole Star Trek kind of nerd thing in this. Oh, they did. And and but it works on that same sort of shallow level that that uh, like Big Bang Theory tries often do, where the whole joke is just like, "Hey, I said the name Captain Sulu." You know, I said Sulu. Hey, I'm a nerd. <laughs> you know, he's like, "All right, cool." I'm like, I get it. It's, it's, it's a big nerd. Uh, and it just I feel like that's kind of this consistent flavor. Like they'll just be like, "Hey, you know a nerd fact?" All right, that was irrelevant for the scene, but I just told it to you anyway. Let's move on. You know. And it, like that builds up too at the very, like the finale of this episode is basically just a nerd fact off. Oh yeah, we'll we'll get to how pointless it is later on, but it's incredibly pointless. Oh yeah. <laughs> so then we go to Pete, who is both of our favorite characters, I think, and uh, he's New Jersey accent kind of guy, and mm. he is uh, talking about his resin kit for his two head thing. Uh, I forget what it was called. No, I, I have no, I have no memory of their little each of the things they said, of what they're trying to work on. <laughs> um, yeah, and he's like, "Oh, it didn't turn out too great, but I'm going to try and sell it on eBay." And then oh, we get that's to right. we get to Josh. But how early? How long would eBay have been around? It was 2002. Oh, this 19- must have been like early eBay, right? Yeah, I mean, I wonder if at that point selling stuff on eBay was also a bit of a nerdy nod. It might have been. Like how, like it was people like, oh, eBay, that's that thing where people trade weird collectibles and no one uses it. I wonder. I don't, I don't know 2002 well enough. Yeah, no, I think this was back when uh, Elon Musk was still like a bald, like nerdy looking guy too. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, then we get to Josh, who is the uh, very large, very grotesque looking nerd. He's like the stereotypical nerd. Yeah, he's the nerd that all the nerds make fun of for being so un unfit and like he's every single scene i think literally every scene has some moment where one of the characters insults him for being fat i don't know if there's a, i don't know if there's a scene that doesn't go by without one that being like hey you're real fat by the way uh and he's like and it's hard because animated like yeah he's fatter than all of them but he's not this grotesquely fat he's just a he's just drawn round instead of straight but but we know how fat he is because every single character takes time through the episode to be like oh by the way you're a big fat guy and that's <laughs> bad it's just very like every scene but yes josh comes in and uh he has uh a videotape that he found and i believe it was called sexy sirens of sci-fi and horror volume 10 i think yep <laughs> and uh uh yeah it kind of gets back into this whole like misogynistic like kind of gross yeah, you know, it's here's all the women we see on TV, but naked. We found all the naked, you know, and it's like, and it's not even like, you know, oh, it's a porn parody. It's the ultra creepy nerd version of like someone has gone through and found every scene they've done in any other movie where they're topless and spliced them together into one mega cut of these specific women naked. Exactly. It's the it's the height of creepy nerdy sexist obsession. Like it's. But it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's probably not inaccurate as to what people would do. It's just, it's just that creepy level of, you know, it's, it cements how unlikable all of the characters are. Yeah. And this is also 2002. So like the internet wasn't what, what it was like now. So yeah, no YouTube, no YouTube, which is where I get all of my naked celebs. I don't know why I brought it up. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You just type in naked celebs. <laughs> Sexy sirens. <laughs> it's trending. Volume 10. 
Uh, yeah, so then we kind of bookend this meeting with Bill saying that he regrets to report that his latest attempt to contact Gene Roddenberry's ghost was a failure. <laughs> yes. Again, right? Like, what a pointless thing to say other than just to be like, hey, I said another Star Trek thing. Exactly. <laughs> hey, Gene Roddenberry. Remember how he's dead? <laughs> oh, like, it's just, yeah. Uh, so then they cram the videotape into the VHS, or the VCR, I mean, and... Uh, it ends up being a Care Bear video. Ah, oh, they got tricked. They got duped completely. <laughs> um, <laughs> and for some reason, out of anger, Josh just starts to choke Pete and Jerry. Yeah, it seemed like it came out of nowhere because he was, I don't know why he was mad at them. Like, they laughed or they were, like, disappointed and laughing at the fact that this wasn't really porn. And he just went, well, now I'm going to fight you. <laughs> like, he took it as a personal insult and he started attacking people. And it kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, and then we get a very comical scene where Pete punches Jer- uh, Pete punches Josh in the face. And on the other side of his nose, a zit pops. And yeah. hits, it hits uh, Jerry in the eye and Jerry screams, I'm blind. <laughs> yeah. That was one of those, like, it's got that kind of gross out animation of just like let's just burst a pimple and just like spray it at someone's face <laughs> see that's where i think like the kind of like you mentioned that any animaniacs type of animation comes in yeah there's something about their movement and there's something about like the the way things and especially some of the minor characters later on the way they pop in and out of the scene they just feel like animaniacs characters i don't know what it was but there's something about it the way things move uh but yeah it had a bit of that to it uh, so then Bill's mom screams down and says, I need your stupid friends to leave now. Uh, <laughs> they all kind of berate Josh and tell him, like, piss off. And Josh falls on the ground and eats Doritos out of the trash. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if back then that was like the stereotype of nerds is like Doritos and Mountain Dew. <laughs> trash Doritos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if it wasn't, maybe this was the pioneer. <laughs> exactly. Uh, then Bill has a dream where he's on a starship, again, another Star Trek thing, and he's there with a bunch of ladies. Yes, and, and they're all, they're all again, they're, they're all like 80% breasts. They are, every, they're all just like, well, Commander, oh, Captain, what are we <laughs> going to do? Oh, Cap, you know, like, f- completely unreasonably, but, you know, teen boy dreams, whatever, that's fine. Yep, and uh, they land on a planet. Which turns out wasn't really a planet. It was Josh's face, and they just drown in pus. Mm-hmm. It's a pus dream. Which is weird, because he wasn't the one who got the pus in his face. Like, you figure you would have set it up in the early scene so that Bill got sprayed with a zit. So that when he had a dream about getting sprayed with zit pus, it, like, felt more like it was because of that. It was just it was just a tiny thing that bothered me a little bit. It's like, well, why is he having this dream? Surely Jerry should be having this dream. He's the one who got sprayed in the face. Exactly. He's got the PTSD, the P standing for pus. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so then he wakes up with his alarm clock, which is a character, Major Violence, who mm. says, wake up or I'll break your arm. Yeah. And th- they show a lot of Major Violence stuff in this. So I assume eventually they would have introduced that character. Yeah, right. And it seems it seems weird to like so heavily embrace existing pop culture. But I guess then they can't like use any images from existing pop culture without paying for them. So they have to make their own 
fake superhero just to sort of like put him in places like they, I don't know it was just a bit like the whole thing seemed to be like hey here's that thing you like these kids are obsessed with it too here's this but then they invented a superhero called Captain Violence unless he's just an obscure superhero that I don't know from the same like comic publisher uh, who did Eltingville I've no idea it might have been now that you mention it right that seems like something you'd do yeah cross promotion listen to escape this podcast <laughs> Perfect timing. <laughs> um, so then they uh, decide to let Josh back into the group. So this is this is the first okay. This is the first instance of something that I think this epi- this episode did constantly, which is in terms of story, they'll set up a scene and then in the next scene they'll completely invalidate the previous one. Right. So like the first scene had this. They get into this big fight over an issue. They're like, all right, that's it. We're not friends anymore. The club is abandoned. The club is dissolved. And you're like, okay, that's what this episode's going to be about. And then in the very next scene, they're like, oh, no, we don't care. We're not, we're not fighting anymore. Move on. Let's do something else. And you're kind of like, oh, okay. So I guess that wasn't what the point of the... Like, I guess it was just setting a tone, but like storyline-wise, completely invalidated. And they do that a lot. There's at least one other really big example, but it, 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 I think that's part of the problem with this episode, right? Storyline-wise, they have these scenes that should have, like, s- conclusions and continuations from them, and then the next scene, they're like, ah, whatever, we don't need that, that was just a scene, it's done, whatever it finished with, we don't care, we're just moving on. And so this scene completely invalidates the fight, and they're all friends again, in the same bad relationship that they had before. You know, you're right, it's like how at the end of every kind of cartoon episode... It kind of like resets the next episode, but they do mm, that except every scene. Every scene, yeah. <laughs> they just keep resetting back and sound like, okay, well, when are we going to get like something happening? Because so far there's no storyline. There's just some characters existing. Because uh, it really felt like it was going to be that's the point of the episode. You know, the, it was such a dramatic end to the previous scene. It's like, okay, that's what's going on this episode. And then they just took it away. It's like, no, whatever. <laughs> we'll start again. Yeah, and uh, then they go to the movie theater. They decide to see a bunch of rip-offs of movies with one ticket. They get kicked out immediately after the first movie. Uh, then they go, well, what are we going to do today now? And there's like a montage of them going to a toy store, going to a video game store. <laughs> Again, and it's, and it's fine, but also completely pointless. It's just a bunch of stuff that they're doing, right? It's... It's this the same feelings a lot of the episode. They're just like, hey, we've got to do some nerd stuff, some teen stuff. It doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't really affect the story at all, but we're going to do it. You know, like the movie scene, right? The, the fact that they tried to sneak into some movies, got kicked out. I also wrote here uh, nerd pride because they had that moment of like some, some big jocks who were just security guards threw them out of the movies for trying to sneak into lots of movies and they were like you know we got we're better than the than the popular kids and the jocks we're the real nerds we're more imaginative let's go have a night day on the town <laughs> for just you know whatever no every nerd thing needs like the jocks are dumb moment but yeah right then the scene is just them doing nerd stuff around town and you can and cut like if I was editing this up, if I'm producing, I'd just be like, oh, okay, okay, just cut all that, <laughs> just, <laughs> just just cut that scene. You don't need it. Nothing happened. Yeah, literally, the whole first half of this show could have mm. been cut. Yes. The, this, so the the episode title was something about Boba Fett. I can't remember. Uh, but we get our first glimpse of a anything Boba Fett related, which was in the episode title. I think twelve minutes into a twenty minute episode. You could cut the first 12 minutes if you wanted because it's just the same scenes over and over again of them just being nerds. 
And that's what baffles me, too, because Adult Swim will air like 12 to 15 minute episodes of things. Mm. So it could have fit in. Yeah, you could have just cut the first 12 and then made it a 12 minute show. Yeah. Because you didn't need them. <laughs> um, but then they go to their local comic book shop, which is in a very shitty area. Oh, yeah. I also love that they announce it to themselves. Like, they obviously go there all the time, but he's like, I present to you our local comic book shop. It's <laughs> like, well, why are you present? Like, they know they live here. <laughs> what a strange way to phrase this. Yeah, you got a point. It's like, does he do that every time? <laughs> yeah, right. Is it just like, oh my God, not again, Bill. Shut up. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> we know. We were here yesterday. <laughs> and then we get our introduction to Willoughby, who is a short, nerdy guy. I've written, uh, I've written Richie Rich finds a card. <laughs> See, I was thinking uh, if SpongeBob was a human boy. <laughs> That's also true. <laughs> so he comes out with his uh, brand new trading cards, and he's excited that he found one. And he goes, hey, guys, look. <laughs> his, his character design is the first one that made me be like, oh, yeah, this is real Animaniacs character design. Like, he looks like every kid in Animaniacs. Yeah, I was getting, like, Elmira uh, vibes. Yeah, 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 exactly. He's got that look to him. I think he's the one that cemented it for me as to what they had as, like, that aesthetic. Yeah, so he's uh, trying to meet up with those guys, which they respond, oh, I wish he he could just, like, leave and, like, die already. And then he gets hit by a motorcycle immediately. (laughs) Yeah, And, and again, it's one of these, like, cementing this, oh, okay, like, these characters really have zero redeemable, like, redeeming features. They're just terrible, terrible people. Because they just see an enthusiastic small child that's like, Ugh, yeah, I hope he dies. <laughs> and we're just like, oh, I don't hope he dies. He seems fun. Yeah, and then he uh, gets up from the motorcycle accident, only to be eaten at by vultures. Yes, yeah, so the vultures were in the scene setting this up when they should, like, I, I I thought this was funny, right? Because they showed, like, a local comic book shop, and one of the things that made it seem so dreary was there were, like, vultures eating a rat out the front, and it just felt like a bit of a visual gag. And then the fact that another character gets hit, and those vultures come back, and they just start eating him, I thought was quite funny. Because it's like, okay, no, they are <laughs> actual parts of the world right now. <laughs> they have consequences. They're real vultures. Yeah. And then uh, they further cement that these four are deplorable human beings because they don't rush to his aid. They just go to see which cards they can steal from him. Yes. Yeah. And again, even and, but not just in a terrible person way, but in a giant nerd way, because they don't actually steal any cards. They just pick up all of his cards and be like, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. And then drop them all. Thanks for nothing. Exactly. It's a double barrel. They're not just shitty people. They're shitty nerds. Exactly. It's like if Seinfeld had a baby with Big Bang Theory. (laughs) Yes. Um, So then they go inside, and there's a lot of nerd conversations going on. There's one about Pokemon, and somebody's going to invoke the wrath of Pikachu. Yeah, right. Now it's it's like the show's now trying to make fun of different types of nerds. Exactly. And I especially love this one line where they, which was not funny. I can't remember. It was the middle one. But it went on so long that the camera had panned past the character saying it and panned to the next set of people who were going to make a joke, but they couldn't start yet because the old joke was still going. And it got, like, halfway through the pan of the next characters before they could start talking. Like, it just went on for ages, this this one joke that was not funny. See, that would have been a great moment for them to break the fourth wall and have, like, the people still waiting to tell their joke just kind of, like, look back and forth to the camera. Like, 
but instead they didn't, and it was just a bad shot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, then we meet Iron Jaw. Yes, I've written Spit Nerd Arrives. Yep, uh, he spits every time he talks. And he's trying to tell them about the new issue of Spawn. And they're just like, oh, say it, don't spray it. It's like, this this kid's trying to get you like information on something you like, and you guys are being dicks to him. Well, I mean, they're terrible people. This character, Spit Nerd, is the best character in the entire show. Because he just enthusiastically tells these people about some cool thing. They then say, oh my god, you spit too much, what are you doing, get out of here. And he's just like... Hey, what can I say? I'm full of the juices of life. Deal with it. <laughs> he's so comfortable with himself. He's so friendly, but he also doesn't take their shit. He is the best character in the entire show. Absolutely. And I love that he set, refers to it as the juices of life. <laughs> it's like, that's even a thing anyway. <laughs> but no, he's great. He's just so like, yeah, whatever. I don't need you guys. I'm happy. I'm a happy, well-adjusted kid. See ya. <laughs> and then we get our introduction to the Boba Fett figure. Yeah, so we're now 12 minutes in, and the story is maybe going to start. Uh, we see Josh staring at it, and then Bill's just like, what are you looking at? <gasps> oh my god! It's a Boba Fett! Exactly, and they're arguing over who gets to buy it. The shop owner's just like, oh, what do I charge them for this? And then an angel and devil appear on his shoulder. The devil says, oh, you could get $200 out of these nerds. The angel appears, goes, and maybe 250 yeah, right. It's. I feel like it was like, it's the, like, that's a classic joke, right? The devil appears, says to do something wrong, and then the angel, like, agrees. Uh, but I feel like this is such a bad version of it, because it didn't, like, like, you could see from the start that's what the angel was going to do. Like, when he appeared, he just looked like a dirty, grubby loser. And you kind of, you were prepared. There wasn't any, and, like, he didn't do it in, like, an earnest way. Like, you know, like... Uh, like a good, like a good fake angel devil shoulder joke, should be like that scene in The Simpsons with Bobo, where they where they found Mr. Burns' teddy bear, you know, and and Marge does the, you know, we you know I'm sure if we give it back, he'll offer us a generous, you know, generous enough reward, and then we'll make him double it. Why can't <laughs> I be greedy once in a while? You know, like 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 that's the structure of a good angel devil. Right? It, has to, it has to imply like, oh, this is a good thing, and then she's like, but also let's just keep going, you know. And instead, it was just like, hey, we can get 200 out of these kids. Nah, you idiot, we can get 250. Yeah, we can do why not? These kids are dumb. You know, like, like it was just so immediately like, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know why we had the scene, but the joke, like, it just, like, it didn't fit. It was kind of like implying a joke that other people have done better. Yeah, and it didn't help that the uh, angel was literally, like, laying down and already lazy, so you kind of knew. Yes, like, the la- yeah, the angel appeared in, like, a grubby wife beater and a cigar and just, like, unshaven, just like, eh, yeah, I'm an angel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like, you didn't think he was going to say anything nice when he appeared. <laughs> uh, then they decide, um, okay, well, we're going to have a trivia contest to decide who gets to buy this. Oh, yeah. And, the trip you're off. Yep, and there's no stupid questions allowed. Like, what's Lucy Lawless's bra size? And Josh says, but I know that one. To which because was replied, a creep. Yeah, and then Pete says, as do all sad boys, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. At least one character acknowledged that it's sad. Exactly. He's self-aware. <laughs> yeah. Um, I felt a little bad about myself because I knew some of these answers <laughs> as they were like, the first one was, what's Wedge's last name in Star Wars? I go, psh, Antilles? Oh, wait. 
I go, I get the Boba Fett. <laughs> exactly. Um, so they go on and on and on, and no one's winning. There's lightning striking outside. And now, when you like when you say on and on and on, like this scene goes on and on and on. Like I think a, at least five minutes of the twenty minutes are just this trivia off. Like, like it is no understatement. It takes up the majority. It is the longest scene in the episode by far. And arguably the most pointless scene. Completely. Okay, well, when it finishes, we will tell you just how pointless it is, uh, dear listener. But not only... Okay, even if it was had a point, right? There's a moment halfway through where like the characters in the scene are like, whoa, this is taking a long time. Oh my gosh, how long is this taking? And that's halfway through. They just keep going and going. And you're just so... Like, at this point, it's like the characters get bored and then you get bored and then the scene continues for another two minutes. Like, like the trivia isn't even getting, like, different. Like, it's not even like it's getting more and more obscure. There's a moment in the middle where it gets very obscure and then they follow it up with, like, really, really basic questions again and it just keeps dancing around with no... Like, there's no build-up to the trivia. It's just random questions, varying difficulties, you know. Uh, and it just goes on and on. And and at some point you're like, okay, this isn't this isn't funny or interesting. The characters in the scene are quite bored. Why is this still going? Yeah, and uh, they eventually run out of questions, and he basically uh, essentially tricks Josh into answering incorrectly because yes, throughout this whole episode, Jerry always goes beady beady beady, which is very annoying. Yes, it's obviously, like, that's a reference to something that I don't know, right? Because he also calls everyone a different name at the end. So he's he's quoting something. Yeah, apparently I'm it's... not a nerd. I'm a cool jock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we push nerds for lunch money. We don't know this. Yeah, what's all this nerd shit? <laughs> Let's go give him a swirly. <laughs> yeah. So apparently it's Tweety Bird that says that because he says... Oh, Jerry says it. Wait, no, I mean Tweety. And uh, oh, Josh Tweety. is a sore loser. Yes, because he's now lost. He got the he got the answer wrong. He said the wrong thing. And he's like, no, but I knew it. But I knew the answer. But he got it wrong. Yep. And he decides to say, hold on, wait. Do you hold items for customers? And no, what do I look like? A charity? And he goes, eh, fine. What am I going <laughs> to <laughs> I feel like everything that that guy says has to either start and or end with, eh, yeah, yeah, how you going? Yeah, welcome <laughs> to my shop. <laughs> Comics. <laughs> um, so they race each other home to get their money. Yes, right. And so again, right, this is the point, right? We had this hugely long scene, this long, long scene, but the whole point was it's deciding what happens with Boba Fett. And then, and then you know, Josh loses and it's like oh no he has lost that is the you know what the scene has led to him actually losing but feeling like he should have won so now bill's gonna get the boba fett and then they're gonna have to like do something afterwards and like it's gonna affect their relationship but they'll be but instead he just goes you know what let's ignore that competition let's pretend it never happened and instead do a foot race to decide who gets it so this hugely long scene that had a compelling story conclusion Two seconds later, has that conclusion invalidated, the whole scene becomes irrelevant, and we do something else instead of what follows normally. Because they could have just done this race to start with. There's nothing about the trivia competition that led to this race being relevant. It's just relevant in its own separate way. 
And so they just invalidate the last scene and move on with some new thing that completely means the last... We could have just started from here, right? We could be 20, like, like 30 seconds into the episode instead of 18 minutes. Exactly. And this scene just shows even more how terrible they are because they cause car accidents. They push over old people. The amount of young and old people that just get their faces pushed into the ground in this episode by every character. They're just constantly pushing people away and onto the <laughs> ground. Even during the trivia competition, Richie Rich is sitting on the table all injured from his accident and the comic book owner, for literally no reason, just pushes him off the shelf and he falls to the ground. <laughs> like, there was nothing, there wasn't any reason. He wasn't being annoying. He was just sitting there. The comic officer's like, hmm, I reckon I could hurt this child. <laughs> Um, and then they go and basically steal money from each of their mothers. Yes, steal their checkbook, steal their credit cards. And uh, it turns out he doesn't accept checks or credit cards. So oh, no. in <laughs> instead of being reasonable people, they both grab the action figure that neither of them own and break it. Yes, right? They can't pay for it, so they grab it and they break it. Again, you could have started the episode here. And this was the like the crux of, oh no, what are they going to do to replace this thing, right? Because again, no, no scene before this has actually mattered or affected the scene much at all. And then we get yet another invalidation because they kick Josh out again at the very end. Yes, so it goes back to, oh, the way it started. So we could have set this up as like, you know, I don't know, just just pointless. Just pointless. <laughs> the whole thing was pointless. It, it was very pointless. Um so we're going to take a quick little break and we will be right oh, back. Wait, no, before we do, wait, oh, yeah. wait, no break. We have okay. to mention the best thing ever, which is that this episode ends with the Richie Rich character popping up and saying, oh no, it looks like they're not friends anymore. Could this be the end of the Eltingville Club? And then it was the end of the entire series and it never got picked up. Yeah. And that was too appropriate to like tease with this, oh no, maybe it's done. Ha <laughs> it's not really done. Wait, shit, we didn't get picked up. It is done. Damn. It is done. <laughs> And not only is that very out of place at the end of an episode, but it, it led to that. Like, this yeah. this seems like something you would put before a commercial break. Yeah, instead it's like a challenge to the to the people deciding on what pilots to pick up, and they were just like, no, we're not doing what you say. We're not going <laughs> to pick up the pilot just because you've implied there's a next part. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, yeah, so now we're going to take our quick little break. <laughs> now we're going to take the break. Well, hey there, nerd. Do you run games of Dungeons and Dragons, play the good sweet game, or want to but have no idea where to start? Well, come on over and listen to Crit Chat, a D&D advice podcast with a rotating cast of experienced DMs just waiting to give you all the best tips and tricks to make your games of Dungeons and Dragons the very best they can be. From how to run a campaign for first-time players to which monster in the manual is the most dateable, we've got it all. Find us by searching Crit Chat on your favorite podcast app or under podcasts on iTunes. Warning, Quit Chat is obligated to talk about goblins at least once per episode. Anyone listening to this podcast may experience feelings of desire towards them and many other fantasy creatures, including but not limited to centaurs, satyrs, the inevitable, flumps, various golems, thrykreen, animated armor, shield guardians, cadaver collectors, any and all demons, and if you're kinky, the rug of smothering. Alright, so had this show continued, what kind of episodes do you think we would have seen? Oh, you know, like, what episodes we would have seen or what episodes we should have seen? Right, because, I mean, we could do a little of both. I mean, I feel like what we would get is just season after season of, like, them just being so unconscionably bad people with a vaguely nerdy premise. If this show is anything to go by, we'll get about 20 seconds of, like, storyline in each episode. 
and you could probably do like a fan supercut of season one into a single 20 minute episode where stuff happens. Uh, I'd they got to go back and do more D&D. You'd have to have a D&D centric episode. See, I feel like that should have been what the series was. It would have had more focus. Like maybe like a little bit of like the real world stuff that leads into what's happening in the D&D game. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. You could do like, yeah, you'd have like a scene out of D&D where stuff happens and then they go back to their D&D game and that stuff folds in to the to the world, you know, like they have an argument. And then in the D&D world, someone is like adding in enemies that keep like having that exact problem. You know, you'd be like, you know, someone's like someone steals somebody's lunch and, and they get really mad about it. Uh, and they probably say, oh, it must have been uh, J- uh, Josh because he's so fat. Ha, 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 ha. And he's like, I didn't steal lunch. I'm not, whatever. Um, <laughs> but and then like in the D&D game, they keep having all of these like really passive aggressive enemies who are just like, you know, I am the evil Lord of Darkness. What did I do? Well, I stole my friend's lunch. The most evil thing a man can do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and just like you bring real world problems into the game. That'd be a fun dynamic. Uh and you get to play with because I think that D and D stuff had the most like self aware humor in it of like this is the dumb stuff people do in D and D. Here the characters are killing each other instead of fighting the enemy. You know, here they're having an argument. Oh, they set their horses on fire. Like they can embrace that and do that well. And, and I love the fact that like I, I always love when there's like a fantasy world and like modern jokes are put in. Like how Genie mm. and um, Aladdin, how he would like make references to like TV shows. Yes, yeah, exactly, right? Like, it's 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 fun, you know? And you get to play, you know, with D&D tropes from a nerdy perspective, right? The stuff that people, all those, like, oh, everyone knows this guy who plays D&D. You know, one of them keeps dressing up in their D&D clothes in the real world. You know, like, there's, it's like you can focus your, uh, your kind of humour and tropes a bit better rather than just this pan-everything nerd world full of terrible, terrible people. And especially because everybody who is a character in D&D is a terrible person, right? right? Like, they're all the murder-hobo D&D players who just go around killing everybody and stealing their stuff. And it becomes funnier in a D&D world because no one actually exists. Exactly. So you get to just be like, they get to town and they just set everything on fire. The amount of times... Kids playing D and D have set towns on fire and killed everybody. Is countless. That's what all kids do when they play D and D. But it's funnier because the, the it's not a real town, and you can like, you know, there's a bit more. I don't know. It's a bit more familiar. People being dickheads in D and D. Exactly. Um, so the creators actually uh, said that if the series had been picked up, uh, some potential plot lines would have been. A Klingon versus elf war between a local Klingon camp and a Renaissance fair, which okay. I've never heard of a Klingon camp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guess you're not a real. That's because we're cool jocks, Ed. Oh yeah, you know, we're that's not why nerds. Oh, Klingon camp. Oh, what's that? Uh, <laughs> camp rock climbing. I do rock climbing. That's what I cling on to. <laughs> I'm a nerd. I mean, I'm a jock. Fuck. Oh shit, I got it wrong. Um, <laughs> but um, like that, you know, that's that's okay. You could do that. Very like. Uh, Order of the Stick, South Park kind of idea. Exactly. Like, that could have had them kind of play their, like, D&D characters in real life. Like, bring it into the real world. Yeah, right? Or you, you'd, just, you'd split them, right? You'd have, like, some of them take their existing D&D characters and go side with the, with the Renaissance people who 
and and then like two of the others take like just dress up in Star Trek cosplay and join the Klingon side. And then you split the group and there's internal dynamics and hopefully each scene follows on to the next in a reasonable way and you can have a good story there. Right. And then we get another idea that really wouldn't have had much clout to it. The club members digging mm-hmm. through the Staten Island landfill for a collectible item that was mistakenly thrown out. Uh, yeah, okay. They're big nerds. <laughs> that's not an episode plot. That's a scene. Like, <laughs> Yeah, right. So, like, you could keep it, you could make it, you could do it as an episode, it's like a bottle episode, you know? It's just this one thing, they go slowly crazier and crazier. As long as, like, things happen, it's fine, you know? I mean, this entire episode was, they find a Boba Fett statue. That's it. That's the whole episode. I mean, I agree, they didn't get 20 minutes of good content out of it, but but at least shows that they're prepared to. Yeah, I feel like if they did it, um, I'm not sure if you watch Community, but there was an episode where they had like a fake flashback episode where they would set up flashbacks, but it'd be scenes that never happened in the show. So I feel like that could have been like the setup for something like that. Like they're in the landfill reminiscing. Yeah, exactly. You use it as as a way to do that, right? Like, or again, if you had kept up. So what if what if you had done these, right? Like that's an episode. What if we were also doing the D&D one? Right, like you could have, you could have the the episode B, the D and D campaign, the day after, and when stuff happens in the in the D and D game, they get mad and it flashes back to like the source material for that thing happening, which was during this dig, and so we learn about all the terrible things they did to each other during this trash dig. By the follow up D and D game where they're making snide characters about it, like. You could keep having stuff happen, like, hey, you know, shut up, Bill. That's not like... And then you flash back to the thing that has obviously inspired this weird D&D moment, right? Like, you could build it into that form if you wanted to take the show into that form. Exactly. Um, So, a segment we do on this show is to pitch beloved actor Wallace Shawn into an episode. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Well, he's been through Hollywood From the Princess Bride to Clueless He's an actor and a playwright And an essayist as well He is nowhere to be found So it's time for us to do this Tell me why in the world Isn't Wallace Shawn on this show? So how would you put Wallace Shawn into an episode? Alright, so first of all If he appeared the most likely is that he would appear as Wallace Shawn. Absolutely. Just because it's a nerd show. They'd be like, oh my God, it's Wallace Shawn. I reckon you'd have like one of the group really likes the Princess Bride and therefore really likes Wallace Shawn. And then the rest are just like, that's a, sh- that's a movie for girls, maybe. Oh, you're a loser. You're not a real nerd. You're like Princess Bride. Oh, well, what a loser. It makes fun of them for it. And, uh, and they have a whole crisis about whether they should like stuff that has the word princess in it. And then while the Sean at the end gives them a lovely talking to and makes them feel good about themselves and they can enjoy whatever they want. You see, I had almost the exact same idea. Like they're <laughs> basically making fun of one of them for liking the Princess Bride, except there's like a Comic-Con in town and he goes to like meet Wallace Sean. But surprise, yeah. all the other guys show up because they secretly liked Princess Bride. Ah, we get to have a moment where it's just like, they think that real nerds don't like Princess Bride? 
inconceivable. Exactly. Right? Like, <laughs> that's great. You know? He's, well, Sean's like, look at me. I'm a nerd. <laughs> Just look. Um, but so you could definitely do that. Like, he'd have to appear as Wallace Shawn. Oh, absolutely. Or as the classic thing where, like, he's someone who isn't Wallace Shawn, but the character looks and sounds exactly like Wallace Shawn, so everyone thinks, so they keep thinking that he is, and he's just not. And they're like, oh, of course, you've got to keep your identity secret because you're a big star. He's like, no, I don't know who this Wallace Shawn is. Okay, what if, you know, like, the trope in Christmas movies where some old bearded guy, like, sets everything up, and then at the end they reveal it's Santa? <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. We have somebody who looks like Wallace Shawn. And at the end, it turns out he's Wallace Shawn. <laughs> and he just disappears. <laughs> he just gets a Santa hat on and rides off in a sleigh. Uh, so do you have any other ideas? Like, maybe how, like, this show would end? Oh, so, well, first of all, the one thing I want in future episodes as well is characters who consistently are better than them, right? Like, I want Spit Nerd in every single episode just being a well-adjusted human being mm-hmm. who is so much better than them in every way. Like, people need to point... Like, the show needs somebody to point out that they are terrible, right? Because otherwise, it's almost like we're accepting that they're, that they're not that terrible. You know, you need somebody to be like, wow, you guys are all bad, just constantly. Um, oh, I was looking... I had a quick look at the Wikipedia page. And uh, when the comic ended, they did like a flash forward to all of them as adults. Mm-hmm. And it had this list of just like, oh, man, all these people have... Sad lives, except for one of them. Because uh, it was something like like Bill is shown in the future, still a virgin, living at home, absolutely no life, completely has nothing going for him. Uh, Josh and Phil, uh, uh, and, and uh, no, Pete, Pete, Josh and Pete were the same, right? They had <laughs> this like just bad dead end kind of lives and careers where nothing's going on for them. And then Jeff was a professional Magic the Gathering player who was just having lots of fun and really enjoying his life. <laughs> so so he got off well and everyone else terribly uh, and I think maybe that's kind of what you need like a little bit the same with like Seinfeld ended with just a reminder that you're all terrible and you deserve bad things I feel like you have to if you're going to end this show it has to end with all of them just being miserable like everything goes wrong nothing good happens and then the final note is just like yeah you guys were terrible people this entire time why do you think you deserve anything and then the show ends (laughs) see i like the idea of the flash forward like i feel like maybe it's them going off to college and they're like well we need to make a pact like we're gonna meet back here like every like five years or something and Mm. we keep the whole idea that like maybe uh pete not pete uh jerry's the only one that's successful he's still the magic the gathering player and they're all living their shitty lives and they like kind of re they we get like flash forwards of each reunion and then the last like scene is i'm like where's jerry oh he's at some magic the gathering competition they just go fucking nerd and then it ends (laughs) and then it ends (laughs) that's it that's how you do it So I think we've milked this show for as much as we can. Um, yes. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. And if people want to find you in your show, how would they do so? Uh, yeah, cool. So I'm from uh, Escape This Podcast, which I run with my wife. Uh, the show, the kind of concept is we design audio-only escape rooms and we have guests come on and play through those rooms. So uh, we, we, we have guests on, they... You know, it plays like a like an old text-based adventure or a, or a D&D game. You know, it's a lot of, oh, I look at this 
cupboard. What's in the cupboard? Well, there's three drawers and then I pull one open. Oh, 10 pigs fly out. Oh, that's part of the puzzle. Woo. You know, um, and so they're a lot of fun. Uh, we actually just had, uh, we've just started season five. Uh, we do two seasons, two seasons a year. So each room in season five is standalone. You can jump in on any one. Uh, and our first episode, we had uh, Neil Patrick Harris as a guest, which was very exciting. Uh, so he's come on and he plays through this room, which is like a stage magic themed room. Uh, uh, and he does very well. He and I play together. I spend most of my time trapped in a small box as he throws things at me, but <laughs> but it's good. It worked out quite well. Uh, so that was a, that was a lot of fun. Uh, we you can find us where on 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 iTunes and Stitcher, not every every kind of podcast app you could get if you search for Escape This Podcast. You can go to escapethispodcast.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Esk This Podcast. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at Escape This Podcast, but Twitter's a bit easier. There's not a huge amount of visual stuff going on in a podcast. Uh, but yeah, I, I, like I hope you come and check it out. Uh, there's lots of rooms to to choose from. We've got can, we've got some that are like multiple we have 10 room arcs where they tell a story between each of the 10 rooms uh we've finished one of those earlier this year and they're they're huge amounts of fun uh but yeah people can pick up to any room that seems like it suits their tastes as a starting point uh and i hope they come and enjoy it come listen to escape this podcast gosh yes definitely definitely listen to escape this podcast um and if you would like to find all of our stuff on social media we're just at unaired podcasts on everything um we just got a new logo. Woo! So if you like that. Oh, it looks good. I like that new logo. Uh, but yeah, uh, thanks for listening. And just remember, some things are better left unaired. Bye. Writers tend to be lonely and trapped in their own heads. Daniel Ford and I founded the Writer's Bone Podcast so writers could have a place to share those crazy thoughts within them without being thrown into an insane asylum. We didn't want to be stiff, crusty academics or condescending masters clutching their literary secrets like purloined treasure, which is why you'll notice our early episodes are about bacon jam and the worst jobs we've ever had. Sean Tui then had the great idea to interview our favorite authors and screenwriters and the rest is podcast history. Our mission is to champion authors and screenwriters of all stripes. We offer inspiration or a swift kick to the pen when needed. From authors like Michael Connolly, Nicole Blades, to screenwriters like Doug Richardson and Lexi Alexander. Our interviews give our listeners a bolder understanding of the industry that they're crazy enough to jump into. Um, Sean, you can't mention Doug without hashtag nicest guy in Hollywood. I talked to Gary. It's in the contract he sent over. I'm sorry. We're bound to it. That contract is killing us. Do you know I have to give up my firstborn? I mean, I'm not going to have one. And what I actually gave them was a baby goat wrapped in a blanket like a baby. But that's not the point. Let me go back. Like screenwriters, like hashtag nicest guy in Hollywood, Doug Richardson. You can subscribe to Writer's Bone on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Head over to writersbone.com to check out our original fiction, essays, boneyard discussions, and more. You can also stalk us on Twitter and Instagram, at writersbone, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash writersbone. We look forward to your ears, and in the meantime, Sean, what can people do? Keep writing, everyone.